With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Taylor Hall on top of that, dude, absolutely insane. Like that would be absolutely because what Cassidy would do is he'd throw pasta down there for a little bit and then have like what fucking Dave, like David DeBrusque, um, Jake DeBrusque. (laughs) (laughs) David DeBrusque out here. (laughs) Davey D. Davey D. Dunder Cheap. Welcome to Brews and Bruins, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by DraftKings, a drinkable podcast you can taste. A tough listen, to paraphrase Drew's dad. Uh, we have our friend and Nesson man, Logan Mullen here, biggest John Moore fan probably in the world. <laughs> How are you doing, Logan? This has been told many times, yeah. Hello. Yeah. I don't know if that was, if you were teeing me up for something. I said, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I didn't hear that part. I was <laughs> thinking about how to sidestep it. Thinking about John Moore. <laughs> a very long line of John Moore questioning. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. think we're going to, uh, we'll, we'll see what the listeners have to say. In the That's middle. actually <laughs> all the listener questions are about John Moore. No. <laughs> well, then you asked the right guy to come on this. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually um, saved all of the John Moore questions uh, we've gotten over the past year, um, and we're I'm just sure going to talk about all of them now. <laughs> yeah, so this is the uh, the Friday episode. We're recording this on Monday, mid-Bruins-Capitals game. So uh, if you're listening to this, that's why we don't know anything that happened between Monday and Friday. Oh, we know um, what happened for the first period in – you know, eight, eight minute, 18 here of, uh, of Monday night. So, um, anybody got any beers to introduce? Yeah, baby. Picked up something nice. All right, Cam, well, I actually don't know. I haven't it. tried it yet. So I actually don't know if it's nice. Hopefully <laughs> it should be nice. Very excited for it. Smells delicious. I stopped by, uh, foundation brewing. I was playing a little pond hockey today and I stopped at foundation on the way home, picked up this fruit punch jam. It is a 5% sour ale with cherry, currant, guava, pineapple, and milk sugar. Uh, Foundation's got some wacky shit. Uh, I picked up a sour variety pack, and this was part of it. So this is bright red. This looks like I'm drinking, like, like literal Hawaiian punch. So <laughs> we're going to give it a swig. 
No one got Cam a webcam for Christmas, so we still can't see. We're still him. working on it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, about that. This is um. That's killer. I mean, it's definitely really sweet. Um, it is not terribly sour, but the the cherry's jumping out at me, and the pineapple. I mean, it's definitely super fruity. Got that kind of classic punchy sweetness to it. Uh, a little bit of a sour tang on the end of it, but not not overly sour. But definitely, you know, if you're not a sour beer fan, you're not going to like it. If you are, you probably will. Uh, wow, yeah, I think I could probably chug this thing right now. Drinkability is pretty high for a sour. I'm going to give it like a 23 taste. Oh, wow. Uh, you can certainly <laughs> taste the shit out of that. 30, 35 for taste. That is a, that is a beer right there. Wow. I'm in shock. Shock and awe over here, guys. Shock, shock and awe. And awe. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll take up the mantle real quickly just because uh, this is a beer I've had on, on here before. It's uh, one of like three or four beers I have left in my beer fridge. It is a pure project, force of nature, murky IPA. Still couldn't tell you what the difference between a, a murky IPA and a hazy IPA is. I would think less hazy um bruins just scored that's great so Fuck, I should... i'm behind i'm streaming it so you're gonna have to not do that yeah, i'm also yeah. i'm also oh, there streaming you go. it there you keep go. up yeah i'm not that far behind you there. little little matt grizzlick action here we were like how sketchy is your stream oh the matt grizzlick snipe only the what well, the the bruins second best offensive defenseman behind brandon carlo brandon scorlo sorry of course brandon but... scorlo um yeah so this is a so I think hazy is a degree uh, harder to see through than murky, I guess. It's all about visibility. I can hold it. Yeah, visibility is a new scale we're introducing here. I, I can hold this up and still see Drew's face. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that as a scale. Not hazy. Yeah. How, how, how much can you see Drew's face through the beer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Drinkability is pretty high for an IPA. It's uh, it's not super bitter, not super hoppy. Um, let's go with uh twenty eight. It's a it's a twenty eight drinkability. Um, tasteability get a little bit of you know floral, a little bit fruity. But it's not super, uh, not super aggressive. There, we'll go seventeen. No, nice. Milan All right, Logan, what you got for us? Uh, I did not have a chance to stock up on Molson, so instead, <laughs> I my natural backup, which is a Pabst Blue Ribbon. All right. Oh yeah. We Perhaps support. my favorite beer um, after Molson. That is, and uh, so I already know what I'm gonna get. It's out of fifty, right? No, 37. Out of 30. Oh, shit. That's right. I definitely knew that. Um, well, let's see. It's drinkability and tasteability or whatever. Yes. Not right. those are words. And or whatever. That's also a category. Well, it's how, it's how well you can drink it and how much taste there is, not necessarily how it tastes. I am going to pour it into a glass so I can give it the test of if I can see Drew through it. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Um, Specifically should be able to with a PBR. <laughs> Drinkability, uh, a 27 for obvious reasons. Um, 
ability. Let's see. Also, Let's see. Yeah. Oh, I, I can, can see you through it. There you I, go. Yeah, I can actually. If I <laughs> angle it properly, I can see pretty much everyone through here. All right. Um, and you know, <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> the beer has so much force that I can penetrate through your computer and see. You. But, uh, I'll, I'll give that a solid uh, thirty on taste. Hell yeah. Um, I still have no idea how to measure this. So yeah, it's it's very it's a precise. tough conversion out of like if you're used to a hundred or ten, it's like thirty. Yeah. I'm not sure what's I still don't know what's like a good rating out of thirty-seven. I think, I think like once mid twenties. Yeah, once you get up up into the mid twenties, I, I consider like twenty-two to be the like you know, once you get into the Sean Thornton range, you're yeah. you're up there. You're respectable. You're up there in yeah. the cup champs realm. Yep. Um, no I, offense uh, to our dear friend Andrew Ference, the future guest. Oh, that's true. No, it's it's once you hit twenty because pie. Anyway, um, stowaway from Baxter Brewing Company. I've had this like a couple different times. I'm just like, I think there's one more of these in my fridge. I had gotten a whole bunch, so uh, clearing that out before I go back to the packy. But this is where we need Lancey coming in with all the different ratings that we've given the same beers. Um, drinkability pretty high tonight. I'm going to go pretty with a 25 on the drinkability, 25 out of 37. Tom Wilson, don't do anything good. Um, and uh, let's see, tasteability. You could taste it, but it, it isn't that for 6.9%. It's actually, it, it tastes a nice. little light. So I'm going to go. Very nice. I'm going to go with a, uh, you know, 6.9 on that. <laughs> I think our first decimal score ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's do like a little mid-season State of the Union. It's obviously not the mid-season for the Bruins since they've played only five games, but uh, we'll, it's mid-season for most of the NHL. So we'll... Uh, you know, maybe maybe just uh, throw it to Logan and kind of get your thoughts on where you think the Bruins are, what they need to do to improve, whether you think they need to improve or not. Whether they'll win the Stanley Cup, how many games, what the score of each one will <laughs> yeah. be, how many goals John Moore will have. Uh, Who's going to win the Hart Trophy in 2032? John Moore Jr. Uh, you're throwing a lot. <laughs> yeah, please, please answer all these Look, questions Logan, in you're order. The professional here. I tuned out once you said I'm going to throw it to Logan. Uh, <laughs> so, I think that the Bruins are perfectly fine, um, which is where about a dozen teams in the NHL fall. Right. So, um, I still think we're probably a month away from figuring out how good they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're also a few weeks of Tugarask away from knowing how good they actually are. Um, defensively, they've been a pretty good team, so they at least have that, that uh, for as many defensemen as they've already had to churn through this season, they are pretty structurally sound. Um, I think pretty much their success is entirely predicated on what happens with their forwards. I think that we've kind of seen so far that they have decent depth in the bottom six, but we don't know if that's going to translate to any level of scoring that would actually be useful. So like, I think the Bruins are the type of team where like 
you get into the postseason and anything could happen, I think that it would be a it would require a colossal meltdown for them not to make the playoffs at this point. Like the difference between the eighth place Bruins and I think it's like the Red Wings and Flyers that are ninth and tenth is you need binoculars to see through the chasm of a difference in uh, terms of quality in those teams. So, I mean, I it's tough 31 or 32 games in to say you still don't really know where they are, um, but it's been such a weird couple of months that I'd say they're actually in pretty good shape for where they should be, but I don't think we have the full uh, picture just yet. What was the term that you had there? Was it very fine? Or not, I don't think it was perfectly, perfectly fine. fine. Perfectly fine, yeah. Because I think that's, that's, I some love that. best, uh, <laughs> that's some of the best description I think I've heard of. The, like, I'm trying to find out how I feel about this team, and I think perfectly fine is, is right on the head. It's like well, good enough to like get into the playoffs, maybe make a push if some things go the right way, but not not the level of your Florida Panthers, your Tampa Bay, your, your Colorado's, that sort of thing. It's kind of akin to the level that Calgary's been on a few years where it feels like every year they're one or Nashville for that matter. They're like one bad stretch away from their GM just blowing everything up and then they get hot at the right time. It's like, shit, this team might win the Stanley Cup. Uh, So I'm trying not to be too reactionary because like they have been good over the last 10 days or however long, but they were also completely average for the better part of two months. So I think it. you're watching now what they are capable of being, but there has not been nearly enough sustained, sustained success to think that this type of play will hang around long-term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think uh, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think you're pretty bang on there. I think that that's kind of been my party line is it's, it's hockey. Anything can happen some teams kind of play too hard into that and kind of look at the Montreal Canadians last year and think like, Oh, like all we got to do is put a team on the ice and we got a chance. And that's not the case. Uh, But the Bruins have so much talent that, you know, it'd it'd be really silly to kind of give up on a season like this, especially when they are in playoff position. Um, And I I think at this point it's, it's kind of the perfect time for Tuca to be coming in because, you know, you had that kind of, what, like 20 game stretch where uh Olmark and and Swimmin were like both kind of on a roller coaster of being pretty good, being very good and then being very bad and right now they're kind of leveled off into like above league average goalies and they're both kind of in the same range in terms of save percentage. Um and so I think that's kind of the perfect time to bring Tuka in where you know, you can make a case like all right, obviously Swimmin's the future here, but um oh heads up for uh what's coming up <laughs> um, that's not any better no I'm, I'm just alerting you that you should maybe look at the at the screen um our our beautiful boy craig smith uh oh yeah he's a beautiful what boy. a feed from curtis lazar though yeah I did mean, you see the play down the other patrice, end patrice bergeron save <laughs> But yeah, so I, I think it, you can pretty easily make a case like Swayman going oh down God. to the AHL isn't a huge deal. And, and Olmark is perfectly capable of being that backup. Um, obviously I I'm more comfortable with Swayman and net right now, 
but I don't think you get a huge drop off um, in, in terms of having Olmark as your backup. I think the one goaltender you're forgetting about is Patrice Bergeron as he made just another save. Like, yeah, 1,000 1, save percentage right now. <laughs> um, I, I think, yeah, I think the Bruins have kind of showed us their best and their worst, and they're somewhere in between. We've seen them struggle. Um, you know, we see them doing very well right now, uh, coming out of that break, but they did struggle early, early in the season, but you also saw flashes of, of really positive play during those first two months too. So they're, they're somewhere in between those two extremes where they're really struggling at first to where they are right now. And, and it's kind of like you said, Logan, sustainability, you need to be consistent. Uh, I, I think, you know, they wound up like where I kind of expected they're in a wild card position right now. And I kind of expect them to wind up finishing there, barring some sort of grand losing streak or grand winning streak, point streak, whatever. Um, I see them finishing wild card. I just think the Atlantic division is really tough right now. Uh, if you look at the difference, even with the games in hand, the Bruins have, um, you know, it, if they won, I think it's like they're three back against Toronto or something. If they got say six points out of those three games, they're still, not quite there yet. So um, I, I think wild card's fine, but I, I mean, they got to ride this wave that they're riding right now for as long as they fucking can. Like uh, I, I, I thought the break was going to help them out. I thought it was going to help them regroup um, their schedules a bit more of a regular pace for a hockey schedule, even more than that, maybe a little even more intense than usual um, just with all the postponements and just the, fucking way their schedule was this year um so you just gotta keep riding this you just gotta keep riding this i i expected them to do better but not as good as they have been right now and i hope i'm not jinxing it yeah so one of the things i wanted to talk about is um i know you guys discussed it on oh jesus speaking of what what i'm going to talk about um the the kind of line shakeup that you guys talked about on friday i wasn't here for covid reasons um but i mean we we can get logan's thoughts on that too um but on guys COVID? like guys like uh yeah on, on covid also uh but guys guys like taylor hall and and david posternock really picking it up and starting to uh score a little bit and really bolster that secondary scoring um and and meanwhile the the first line <laughs> keeps rolling um oh man love that Got Taylor Hall, David Poster. What a gem! Just love those guys. It's um, beautiful. Yeah, let's start with Logan. Where are you at on the insane move to put uh, Eric Halla as the second line center? <laughs> um, I mean, it was a gamble, right? Like it looks smart now because it's worked out, and it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, like or chicken and the egg rather. Um. You know, like, is Eric Halla better now because he's playing with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak? Or is, did Eric Halla just over that break take some sort of jump? And it just so happened that Hall and Pasternak did too. Um, it, it never hurts, right, to change things around. I, I guess the thing that surprises me the most about it, uh, which is pretty wild in retrospect, is that Cassie didn't change them in that Buffalo game. Like, he's very quick to move lines around if they aren't working, especially new ones. And so when they were down, whatever it was, 3-1 to Buffalo, you would think that would have been the time for him to just go and 
you know, throw caution to the wind and change everything back up. Um, but he didn't, and it worked out. And for that reason, they've stuck with these lines. And so um, I think it just adds balance. Like, and I think that idea sometimes is a little bit better in theory than in practice. Cause you know, you, you could put David Pasternak on the fourth line if you wanted to and say it would add the scoring, but he's playing with Trent Frederick and Anton bleed, then he's probably not going to get too many chances. Right. So I don't know. Um, Anton bleed looked good earlier this week, I'm, but I'm a big Anton bleed guy too. He's been fantastic in my opinion, but um, yes, yes. Yeah. He, I, I wasn't a bleed guy for a while either. Like I I've, just thought he was really redundant. Um, but now he just, I don't know. He does things that's like, where was this for like five years when you were toiling in Providence? Like, um, so, yeah, go ahead. I, I just I just bleed Anton bleed. That's all I wanted to is say. Is that right? I, yeah, I feel that. It I, is, I just it is pretty wild when you think about because he was he was drafted in 2013 and he was in Providence for like six years before he ended mm-hmm. up getting like this extended opportunity. Like I think it was in 16, 17, he got like 20 games or 15 games or something like that. But like I don't think anyone would have blamed him if you tried to see what else was out there and he mm-hmm. didn't, he just kept re-signing. And so finally he's getting a legitimate opportunity. So, I mean, God bless him. Um, in terms of the lines themselves though, I mean, I think you just have to ride this as long as you can. And then you know that something else works, right? So if they do eventually go back at some point, to the way things kind of were when guys get healthier, I think they still can kind of rest assured that, in most situations, they'd be able to just throw those back together and know that there's at least some built-in chemistry with guys who probably otherwise wouldn't have played together. Uh, I like your thought process there. I'm going to kind of swing back with one more question because I agree, like, obviously it's working right now and having just watched them score five unanswered here on Monday night, it, it only bolster our argument a little bit here, but um, it's all about sustainability, like you had said. And, and I think... I, I kind of kind of a two part question is like how how long would you have to see a bit of a dip again or maybe just a, a regression back to the mean before you might start switching things up again? Like how much leeway do you have to give this? And B, if it does say sustainable, wh- who is like the piece where like let's say they lose this one player to injury? Is there is like a certain piece that's key to all this? Is it moving poster knockdown? Is it Hall coming up, you know what I mean? What what piece is like, oh, if we lose that player, we kind of need to totally throw this thing away and, and rethink how we're doing this. So that player, I think, is Craig Smith. Uh, because Craig Smith actually being good on the first line is what enables you to do everything mm-hmm. else that you want to do. Like man, good so, answer. <laughs> this is that. like this is definitely overstating it, but like the Bruins will go as far as Craig Smith takes them in a way. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and John Moore. I love it. And John Moore. Well, that was understood. Hold yeah, open twenty one forty five. By the way. <laughs> yeah. But um, if if you think about it though, like he gives them so much flexibility because he can play basically lines one through three on the right wing, and so you know, the fact that there isn't a significant drop off, like if they were in a position where they had to put like Nick Foligno there, or, you know, if you want to go back to when 
they would occasionally try like Peter Solarik there or something like that. Like or David you, Backus you would see an enormous like... drop off. But the fact yeah. that they haven't because Craig Smith, who also just goes on complete benders where he'll like be there for an offensive zone draw and he'll just go head full of steam right to the end line with the puck. Um, you know, with a guy that can kind of drive play like that, I think that enables them to be creative with it for a while. Um, how long I would give them with each game that they play like this, you're kind of buying yourself more time, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they had gotten to like that Minnesota game and things had been kind of like teetering on being good, um, but not great. I think that was probably a time you would have seen them make like significant changes, but as they continue to play well against teams like Tampa, I think you have to look at it and say like, well, we might as well ride this out until it like completely plummets. Yeah. I think to answer your question from, from my perspective, Cam, um, it's not Eric hollow, like driving that second line. I think it's just having David Pasternak and Taylor hall together is a really important combo. And then having a guy who can keep up with those two guys. Cause you know, Pasternak's like, not like a super speedy guy, but he, he can keep up. And Taylor hall is a dude who like thrives on speed. And Eric hollow kind of also is like speed and speed only. Um, so I, the, those three guys together just kind of seem like they fit. I mean, when I found out that Eric Hollow was centering that line, I thought it was an insane move. And uh, I, I still don't think he's ne- necessarily the caliber of player that f- fits between Taylor <laughs> yeah. Hall and David Pasternak. But I, I, he is not the it, – it's kind of a backwards line. It's Most lines are the center, and then you build out from the center. This is kind of built in – because Taylor Hall and David Pasternak are two guys who can really thrive with the puck on their stick. And I think Eric Hall is a decent facilitator there. I have no numbers to back this up, but I also think the thing too, that could torpedo things is if that second line stops scoring, because that is not a defense first line. And like Pasternak could usually get sheltered by the fact that he was playing on a line with two guys that, could win Selkie trophies every year. Um, But it's a little bit different. I mean, Taylor Hall last year just sometimes looked interested in like back checking. We're all falling all over ourselves being like, wow, is Taylor Hall like this two way forward. Um, So I think that'll be the thing. Second line is absolutely (laughs) fucking on fire. Why is Craig Smith on Fucking the ice for every Christy. single There's Holla. There's Holla. No, oh, this is Eric Holla just scored. Yeah. I'm in the middle of there, making though, yeah. a meme about Holla. So <laughs> this is actually perfect. Wait. Um, so I, I was serious about that question. I've seen Smith on the ice for goals with both yeah. like Lazar and Bleed. And then <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was ball. just at the end of a change there because yeah. Pasta wasn't on the ice yet. He's um, racking up good boy points tonight. But yeah, to, to your point, Logan, I, I mean, like we – we did see Taylor Hall doing good things defensively last year and kind of uh, kind of looked at it and we're like, wait, is he good defensively? But also the fancy stats back it up. Like he's his expected goals against very low. Um, so I, even this year, he's carried it over and it wasn't so it, it wasn't just playing with Krejci. Um and I, I don't know if he can carry a line defensively, but Eric Hall has been a little bit better than advertised defensively this year. Um, 
And I mean, I think David Pasternak, while not a great defensive player, is more toward average than being terrible. Yeah, I I think I would agree with you there. I mean, he's no he's no Brandon Carlo, but you know, <laughs> Brandon Carlo, who maybe. basically by himself gave up a goal in this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean the depth is working right now, and there's oh. a. Oh, that's <laughs> was that him again? <laughs> oh man, yeah, it was him again. <laughs> His knees were shaking as he sprawled out. He looked anxious. <laughs> I don't know if that was a kick, but um, it was off Oshie's skate, and and that was also your guy John Moore on the back end there. Yeah, he was trying to pick up. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he was trying not to plummet into Olmark. Yeah, and but he did. Bad. You can can do those things when you have a four goal cushion. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the kicking motion? I don't think it was. Um, Also, they've dropped the puck since, so I know it wasn't. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think we touched on like a few of our listener questions there, but um, I don't know what else. What else we got here? Um, I'll I'll throw it to, to listener questions right now. Uh, Patrick Laverty says, why are you recording while the Bruins are playing the Caps? Um, uh, scheduling. Uh, we didn't know there was, I, I didn't know there was no, a game. Was, until honestly, I didn't know there was Cam a game. Cam said it a couple of days ago. No, yeah. it, the, the Bruins and Caps are playing a game while we're recording just to be, just yeah. to be yeah, <laughs> yeah, clear yeah. about what's and, happening here. And shouts to Logan for, uh, for joining us during this, even though when I asked him if he wanted to come on, I didn't know there was a game. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, fuck it. I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> yeah, um, and and the real answer is that we can watch the game while we're recording because yeah. no one gives a shit. We're just, <laughs> we're just watching no one, a game and talking about. No how. one gives a shit, least of all us, and it's our yeah, podcast. I think, I think that's, that's the the biggest truth there. Um, all right, let's pull up these listener questions. Did you check out my hollow meme? Yeah, this is uh I mean you kind of subtle dig at him with the caption quote. I mean he isn't de- he isn't Krejci. It's like, I mean he isn't. That's a fucking fact. Like Hall is, is a, fact, a downgrade but... from David Krejci. I mean, most I, players are a downgrade literally from David Krejci, but he's person. fucking holding his own. I'm not saying he's not holding his own, but Jesus Christ, dude, he's a third line center. So so on that note, uh I there was a uh, a Czech interview that Krejci kind of opened up. I absolutely love like European hockey interviews. They're always way more candid, yeah. um, especially in in their own language. Um, but you know, Krejci was kind of pissed off that uh, David Pasternak was playing on the second line pretty consistently because who would have thought uh, David Krejci wanted to play with his fellow countrymen? Uh, while he was playing with the Bruins and not, not sure if that had anything to do with him leaving. Um, but, you know, it, it makes some sense. I think he was being a little dramatic in terms of like how much time he got to play with David Pasternak. Cause I, I, we've seen it several times and I've, I was long a proponent of, of dropping Pasternak down to that line, but at times we saw it just not really click. And it was more about Pasternak, maybe not playing well on that line than it was about David Krejci not playing well. Um, but you know, th- thoughts on that guys. I, th- I love David Krejci. I will defend him to the ends of the earth, but, uh, I don't know what you guys think about that. 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually read the full quote, so I don't want to speak to like the specifics of how serious his uh, his statement was. But I mean, it's understandable, right? I, like we we talked about the guy anchoring uh, the second line for a decade with with no help really, or or very little consistent help. Um, and when you've got a, a world class player like David Pasternak and uh, who you know, I mean, it's, it's been a, a solid part of the erection line for a while now, but it did start off as, as just kind of Martian and Bergeron as the dynamic duo and Pasternak got added on later. So you've seen success without him. I, I understand why he definitely would want somebody of Pasternak's caliber on that side. And, um, you know, you, you look at even from like a financial perspective of like Krejci was, was making more money than most Bruins forwards, if not all of them for a while. Um, but you think about how much more he might've been able to cash in with a, a truly elite winger on his side. Um, and then you add in the fact that again, he's a, he's a fellow Czech guy. So I'm sure that that's a little nice of being over here in the U. I mean, obviously both of them have been over here for a while and stuff, but, um, that adds another layer to it, but I don't know. I mean, it's been one of those things that's been tossed around for years now and it's like, should you do it? And they've toyed around with it a little bit and, um, I don't know. I don't really blame the Bruins for not doing it because it is hard to split up that first line as we've seen, but I don't know. And then again, you're watching what's happening right now and it's like, Oh, maybe they should have done it a little earlier. I don't know. I'm kind of down the middle on it. Uh, I would like to see, even if I don't know, simulate it or something, I would just love to see pasta and Krejci on one line for an entire season. Just put them out there the entire season. Just see what they fucking produce by the end. With Look Taylor at the Hall. fucking statistics with Taylor Hall on top of that dude absolutely insane like that would be absolutely because what cassidy would do is he throw pasta down there for a little bit and they'd have like what fucking dave like david debrusque um jake debrusque (laughs) (laughs) david debrusque out here (laughs) davy d davy d dunder cheap oh my goodness uh the pasta overscored um anyway yeah, I mean, just he, he, Cassidy would throw him out there for like a period with Dave DeBrusque on the other wing, you know, like um, it, it. They didn't get enough time to really click and like you'd see a little bit of it, but you got to give those guys time to develop chemistry. It would have just been amazing. Um, I think I, I just wish he was still on the team now because we'd be seeing it. I think we would be seeing it. I don't think you'd just see Krejci and Taylor Hall. I think it would have taken a little longer for them to switch it up. But I think I think they actually might have gone with it and gone with Craig Smith on that first line. Just stack because that's how they won the cup in 2011. They had two <laughs> amazing top lines. Just oh. The NFL playoffs are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wild card team to win their game bet just five dollars and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious all while feeling the sweat like never before if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you still have something to play for this wild card weekend everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy football contest DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call yeah, 1-800-GAMBLING. I'm, I'm a little interested to see. So I don't know if one of the, I don't know enough about like chemistry on lines. If like two players who are too similar just maybe don't work together. Because um, I, I don't think they're necessarily very similar players, but they do have kind of like puck control first games um and i don't know it's not necessarily like basketball where you know if you have iso players uh playing together it just doesn't work because there isn't really a such thing as an iso player in hockey like you got to pass the puck no matter what but um yeah i think i think they play at a similar tempo like they they both like to slow it down and kind of you know move the puck around in, in space in, in small spaces and both really good at keeping the puck away from defenders. But yeah, I don't know. It, it would have been cool. Would have been extra cool with Taylor Hall. I've looked it up today. Um, you know how many minutes at even strength Pasternak and Krejci played together from 2018 through last season? 30. Anyone else? 30 hours. No. Um, I'll go 42. How many minutes? How many minutes of even strength ice time? So three seasons. Uh, oh. Yeah, I feel like about 30 is right. I'll go 28 just for uh, mixing it up a little bit. All right, how about 620? No. <laughs> oh, shit. So it's All not right, cool. like it never happened. I, they played I was together. genuinely surprised. Yeah, at, I, I was thinking you were going the other way because I, yeah. I, I for sure did think they played a bunch together. Um, yeah. Like th- there were all the times when, when like Bergeron was hurt. And... Right. That's so true, it, yeah. it did happen. I think, um, you know, David Krejci's always been kind of blunt in the first place. And like, I think there are times where he probably comes off a little bit differently when you read things in writing versus how he actually intends for it to sound. Um, and, and then when you're translating things too, that adds, um, some complications to it as well. Um, but I think the thing that's probably getting lost for David Krejci is that the reason he didn't get to play with David Pochnock all that much is because they didn't need him to like the Bruins have David Pochnock playing on the second line right now, because you couldn't put Eric Hollow with just anybody. Um, you know, that, that's a completely different circumstance. So like, I get where he's coming from um, in a perfect world, but at the same time, I mean, the problem for, I mean, pretty much since Lucic and Horton, uh, you know, had their departures was they couldn't find a right winger for uh, David Krejci. And so, okay, you move David Pasternak down. That's great. Who's going up on the first line? I mean, so, this is Jerome Ginla erasure here. Yeah, Jerome Ginla. And, and Rick Nash for like four games. But um, it, it, it's just, I again, I can understand where he's coming from, where it's like, well, why can't I play with that guy? But that is far, th- this circumstance is far more a referendum on David Krejci than it is 
David Posternock. Like it's not, I don't think this was Bruce Cassie being hard headed. I think it was just out of like necessity that he did this. And if they had done this move two years ago, you would have been running into the same issue where you couldn't find somebody to play with Bergeron and Marshawn. It's like, yeah, they were the statistically best line in hockey, just about any way you measure it for mm-hmm. years and, and continue to be. And, and so, and pretty much no matter who you put on that right wing there, like Brett Connolly was riding up there and they were still good. Yeah, exactly. So I just, uh, I get the frustration from his standpoint, but it's also not the type of thing that I would dwell on too much. Cause it's like, yeah, no shit. He wanted to play with David Pasternak, but at the same time, it's like, why, why would you disrupt things just for the hell of it? Yeah. yeah. Good point. Oh, man. Mike Riley. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, what if John Moore was on the first line with uh, Bergeron? <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get to some more listener questions. <laughs> John Moore would be the play driver on this. That line. This one's very timely because uh, we're at the end of the second period. Uh, New Year's Nick Lanciani asks, how many goals will Anton Bleed and or Oscar Steen score in the remaining 30 minutes of the game? So now we're down to 20 minutes. Uh, January 10th at Washington, in parentheses. Probably none. So how many, <laughs> how many goals will they score the rest of the game? Yeah, Just Anton Bleed and Oscar Steen. I will give yeah, them but like one. combined goals. I'd like to see one. You're, you're giving them type. one, Logan? Yeah, I'll give them one. I can see Washington pulling the net or yeah. pulling goalie when uh, they pull <laughs> they're the going to pull the net. At this point, they probably should. Right? <laughs> that's a strategy I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> well, didn't they didn't they switch goalies after four goals? And they all, they did. The new yeah, guy gave up two. So, yeah, they better start Van- pulling the Vanacek net for sure. Net. <laughs> A cat texted me to tell me how happy she was for Zach Fukali. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, prior to the game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> obviously, that didn't go well. Mm, well, um, it was a nice, nice thought, anyway. Yeah, but I, I think that's a good that's a good segue into talking about Oscar Steen and how good he's been lately. I think you know he's he's in the you know he's in that like really high uh acceptance rate i guess i I wouldn't say like approval rating maybe um among bruins fans like it it seems like there aren't many people out here saying like i don't like this guy um and and a lot of young players kind of get that uh you know when they have one or two games where they don't play super well and Oscar Steen's kind of doing it all over the place and he's been piling up some points on, on that line and, uh, you know, really helping out with depth scoring. Depth scoring. We like it. We love it. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with him is that almost every shift you notice him. Um, and I think that's been the biggest problem for the myriad young forwards Bruins have trotted out over the last four or five years or, you know, there were some where I think Jake DeBrusque is probably the easiest example is when he's scoring, he, he's great. Like he gives you everything you need, but you know, he went too hot and cold with that and his defense would be impacted by how he was playing offensively. I think Oscar Steen is the thing that will keep him in the NHL. As you can tell, he's not goals or points dependent in order to be impactful. 
you can only have so many of those guys, right? Because otherwise you end up with about nine fourth liners. But I think he's the type of player who has had a scoring touch most of his career and has been a, a very useful offensive player in Providence. Um, so he could be a very valuable two-way forward. But at this point, you might as well just ride with him. And my developing take is that even when Jake DeBrusque is healthy, now the Felino thing kind of uh, mucks this up a little bit. But they should, if they're actually intent on trading DeBrusque, they should just scratch him at this point now that you've seen that Steen works in that middle six role. Yeah, I guess uh, also a good time to mention the Nick Felino injury. That's probably looking like a long-term thing. I don't know if you've heard anything extra but it just didn't look good. Yeah, just based um, on what happened, yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets an MRI tomorrow, Tuesday. So by the time people listen to this, it will have been well decided what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll talk about it. Well, as, let's as guess. If he's, <laughs> we we always like to speculate wildly. I, I love it. I love it during broadcasts of like hockey, football games, basketball games, where there's like, oh, you don't like to speculate, but really looks like he tore his Achilles there. <laughs> was it when uh, Gordon Hayward had his injury? Yeah, I forget who was on the call, but he was like, Hayward has broken his leg. Hayward has broken his leg. It was, it was pretty ag- aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff. But yeah, so I, I, I don't want to speak ill of the dead or anything, but um Honestly, I think maybe this team improves without Nick Foligno. And oh. as, as much as I, I like him as a person, I don't think he's worth that money at this point. Um, obviously not as big a an issue of a signing as like David Backus or something, but a very similar type player where you're getting like a, a defense-only big forward who maybe doesn't mesh with what you're doing on the top two lines. Maybe doesn't even mesh with what you're doing on the third line. Um, and I think maybe, <laughs> sorry, COVID. COVID. Um, maybe better off, uh, you know, bringing in some of those younger players on the in the bottom six and and seeing what they can do. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're like better without Felino. I think they're fine without Felino, though. I think the mm-hmm. I, I like seeing what the young guys have, but you know, I'd like to see Felino in there again get some more chances if he's able to play i guess the the listeners know well we don't currently um but i I think when it when it comes to steen coolman's the kind of guy i think of but i already see a little more upside with steen um oh for sure but also i I love i I love coolman too i think coolman's a good comparative there Mm. That, that was, so, Coolman cool, cool should shoot more. He has a very yeah, nice shot. Right I now. would love <laughs> to see Coolman bleed and Steen. Same line. Rock that fucking fourth line, dude. See what fucking happens. I would just love to see it <laughs> because I think that someday that's kind of like your third line. You know, it's going to be these kind of guys. These guys, I, guys I think, from I think Lazar, Lazar would work well that. with those two guys also. Um, but interesting that you bring up Coolman with with Oscar Steen because I think it was uh, Scott McLaughlin who brought up or like tweeted out the uh, Brad Marchand quote. Um, someone asked him about, does Oscar Steen remind, like remind you of yourself at all? And he was like, yeah, we're both two good looking guys. Um, and I very specifically remember someone also asking him about, Carson Kuhlman and him saying the exact same thing. <laughs> it's a good canned answer. Oh yeah. 
I, I kept looking through the replies on on the tweets that uh, seeing if someone would mention it, but I, I couldn't go back. I, like I couldn't find a a tweet about uh, him saying that via Carson Coleman. But to the original point, though, like I don't think the Bruins are necessarily better without Felino, but I think their look is different, and I think for players that have panned out like Steen, having someone like Felino in a in a semi prominent role probably flies in the face of what you're trying to accomplish. Like I thought Felino Coyle Steen was fine, but you know, it's kind of like when they used to play DeBrusque and Krejci with Bacchus, where it's like there'd be four guys in the offensive zone and then you see Bacchus come down on the right wing like a minute later. And that's Felino's not quite that level, but I think if you find a way to get him into a fourth line role, um, you're probably in a bit better of a spot. Um, and, and I think at this point, they probably have the personnel to accomplish that. Um, where, you know, you have Felino in a fourth line role, maybe a little bit of offensive upside, but it's just a checking role. Um, Cause that's more or less where he's at at this point in his career. And so I think there's a certain level of, okay, well you're figuring out that you can actually play with speed and be a pretty good team. Uh, so if you have the option to, I don't think bleed necessarily should be a third liner, but like if your options coil bleed and steam, he bleeds probably a better fit there than Felino would be from a pure uh, straight line speed perspective. I mean, if you want to put Trent Frederick, Anton bleed and Nick Felino on a fourth line together, I think you get a, a pretty good, you know, defensive fourth line with a little bit of offensive upside. But like, if you want a banger line, that's, that's your banger line. It's, it's tough, right? Because then it's like, well, how comfortable are you with Tomas Nosek or, and or Curtis Lazar on your third line? Um, yeah. Like, I think what we're seeing amid all of this is that the Bruins are probably going to be in a spot where they're scratching like decent players. Like well, they have some, they have some great fourth line depth. Yeah, you could you could construct a lot of different fourth lines. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I no sex been fine. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I think it should be no sex and Lazar, and then probably bleed. I think bleed's been better than Frederick. Um, yeah, so. I, I think I think you're right there. Yeah, I also don't think that this is the complete picture. Like they they are definitely trading for a forward. If I had to venture a guess, yeah, that was going to be my last question for Logan. Is I, I mean, you kind of tipped your hand there, but like, what if if the the consistency or somewhat consistent? Let's say they can kind of roll with what we're seeing right now through at least most of the stretch. Where do you see an upgrade needing to be made? Is it still? trying to find another defenseman, a little depth there, uh, or maybe replace John Moore, <laughs> or is it uh, maybe trying <laughs> to find somebody else that can bump Halla down and get a true center? Or, I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on how big of a, a package they want to part with. And and I think that's why we probably – I mean, the, the trade deadline's late this year, right? I think it's March 21st. I so I think the Bruins long. are going to wait as long as possible before doing anything because, like – okay, they've been good recently, but are you going to part with major assets right now for Jacob Chikrin when there's the possibility that this current stretch is just an aberration and the Bruins are a middling team that's probably going to have to blow some things up this offseason? So I think they need this month, two months, to figure out what kind of team they exactly are. 
Um, to more directly answer your question, I think they probably need a, a winger with term um, or at least one that's an RFA. Like I get the Lawson Kraus thing. I think you're also kind of walking under some ladders there after the whole Nick Ritchie thing um, where it's like, okay, you want to add the toughness with a guy that can also score. Like the reason I think that they're so interested in Lawson Kraus is because a billion times now they've been interested in Blake Coleman. And Lawson Kraus, I think, is sort of store brand Blake Coleman at this point in his career, um, where it's like, okay, you can probably get somewhere from, you know, between 30 and 40 points from him. Um, But he also plays a heavy game. And, like, I think the Bruins have seen a player like Coleman be impactful with Tampa. And, I mean, he was good with Jersey, too. Um, And think, like, we need more of those guys, rightly or wrongly. So I can see them trying to go for someone – like that on that note good good as good a time as any to throw this in um we already answered his first question but uh sean rajat asked uh would someone like a Giroux or hurdle be a feasible trade target to fill 2c or is it not worth trying to fill that spot currently i'm gonna throw it to drew I think because this is a long before we even pose that question, I was going to say, if you don't go for a two C, then you just got to go for, for defense in my mind at the deadline. Um, I think if you, if you have something there that I kind of, I kind of agree with you there, Logan, like someone with longer term or an RFA, like there needs to be a shot of keeping them after this because they've tried so many times rental, rental, rental doesn't work out, but Hey, wouldn't have they have looked good on the team the following year? Wouldn't it have been great? That's kind of the situation they had with Hall, but Hall resigned and look at him right now. He's fucking doing amazing. Like it just kept happening with all these players. Like, okay, actually the following season, if you give him the more time, it'd been great. They kind of had to like cram for the test of the playoffs with this team uh, and it didn't work their way. So, but I think, yeah, you either go hard and get a center that is going to be more than just a rental or you just get depth at D. Uh, I think they could use the depth at D. I think they could definitely upgrade there. Not that you need another Charlie McAvoy, but someone to fit into that top four would be nice. I, I think there's a best of both worlds there. And I think Tomas Hurdle is that one where he plays you, both. You go out and trade for him and then you hope you can re-sign him long term because you know he's not young, young. I think he's 27, 28, something around there. Um but he's young enough where you can be comfortable giving him like that kind of six year deal. Um, And you need someone to be your, your top center when Bergeron retires. And I mean, Bergeron's contracts up at the end of the year, you don't really know what's going on there. I think, you know, going out there and getting a guy is a sign. We want you, we want you to be part of this organization. And I think, Having a structure there, um, like Taylor Hall said, like have, having people there who, you know, want him there and, you know, kind of talk to him and tell him like, hey, this place is a good place to be. Um, that, that stuff's helpful in, in retaining players that you trade for. So I, I think you try. Well, one, like a guy like Hurdle is really going to help you uh, this season. But probably the best trade target out there in terms of what the Bruins are trying to do. And two, you, you kind of pitch him on uh, on re-signing long-term. Uh, and right now the Bruins just don't really have a plan with what to do with center 
uh, long term, and that's super terrifying. And I'm, I'd be willing to give up a pretty hefty price for a guy like Hurdle. Yeah, yeah. you have to know he's going to resign. Like, like the Bruins don't have the prospect depth to be parting with a bunch of guys in hopes that somebody resigns. Um, I, I will say I would guess that the fact that Stanika has been okay, not great, is probably concerning to them because I think they always envisioned, you know, Stadnika maybe not being like your number one center kind of thing, but being a legitimate middle six center. Um, and, and my guess for a while was they were going to hope Stadnika pans out and then Coyle and Stadnika are your second or third line centers. And then you go all in for whoever um, to be your number one center. You know, you go for the something similar to what like the Kings did with Deneau. Um Again, this goes back to the fact that they need to know who, what kind of team they are. Uh, in terms of Giroux, I can see that maybe in mid-March. Um, I don't think the Flyers are going to give them away right away, but I think if they reach a point where they realize their season's lost, then you know he has complete trade protection. So I think they would say. Is he even playing center right now, though? I know he's been a right wing mostly. I think he's simple. I think he isn't he on the COVID list right now, too. Um, I don't think he's playing right now, but like, you know, then it gets complicated because you're having to have Philly retain money. Um, and then that, you know, adds a layer to things as well. Um, you know, they might be at a point where you just try and if Holla keeps working out the way he is right now, then you probably just try and grind it out the rest of the season. Uh, Bergeron's contract is up, right? So whether he resigns or retires, it's, it's going to be at a different figure. It's probably going to be cheaper than what he's making now if he does resign. Um, so you're saving some money that way. But, you know, maybe you hope that hurdle hits the the open market and you don't have to trade any assets for him. I, I don't know. Um, but they, they don't have a lot of center depth in the organization. And I think the fact that Stanika hasn't really shown so far that he can be a true – the second or third line center, it, it has to be scaring the bejesus out of them. It scares the bejesus out of me, to be honest. Yeah. Well, because I think I the other thing that I believe that they've learned is that Charlie Coyle is a, a good second line center. He's a very good third line center. So I think they're starting to realize that if they want to get the most value out of Coyle, you have to put him on the third line. Yeah. Um, so that that's got to kind of be their impasse too. Like, I don't think they're at a place where they're looking for like the next Riley Nash, where it's like, well, Coyle's just our second line center, or we can put him put him up on the first line if we need to. Like, no, they're going to be in a tough spot because they so far have not drafted and developed a legitimate top six center. I, I agree. And I think what they're doing with Coyle on the third line is kind of what they had done with Krejci on the second line over the past decade or so is, you know, we can make a third line out of Charlie Coyle and just put whoever with him and it'll work Yeah, as long as he's not injured like he was last year, but he, he's been a lot better this year and it's been, it's been better. The other okay. name that I've kicked around that is like, I have no basis for this and I have no idea if they even do it, but like the exact type of player I can see the Bruins training for is like Danny DeKaiser, like a, a once good but not so good defenseman 
who like can play on a top pairing. Like he's kind of like Derek Forbert, right? Um, it, you know, you get the Red Wings to retain money. You have to give up basically nothing. And then you put Danny DeKaiser on your third pairing left side and off you go. Like that's the type of move that I can see them making before swinging for the fences on someone like um, Hurdle or Chikrin. I, that's mixing positions, but you get the point. Yep. Cam. Yeah. Do you want to say anything? I haven't heard from you in a bit, but I also haven't been able to see your face, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've just been kind of patiently listening and absorbing. No, we, we, we got like, some more questions. We got Cam time is for, a sponge. We, we got That's time right. for Cam to jump in. All right, so we got Staff Sergeant Runyon, one of our, our favorite listeners out here. Uh, how many games does Marshy get suspended for being at the wrong place at the wrong time? I'm going to defer to somebody who was watching whatever game he's referring to. Um, was it the? And I don't know either. Actually, was it, wait, was it the hit where he went up? Hot? No, I don't this, know. This, I, this, I think this was, I think it's this was tweeted a, an hour ago. So I think it's like a hypothetical. I think it's a, it was before the game, so I think it was like a hypothetical because uh, he would just get suspended for that anyway. Or maybe it's a serious <laughs> question. I can't tell. <laughs> Sergeant Runyon, please tell me. <laughs> you broken Drew. <laughs> I don't know what to think. I'm going to go get a beer. That's what I'm going to do. You guys can figure it out. Um, yeah, th- thanks for thanks for giving us questions, though. We, we appreciate it. Um, I, I The last question from, from the listeners. I mean, we got one from, from Ryjack, but he just asked if he should clean his room or no, and I think no. Um, he's gonna have to wait till Friday to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, last question from my current favorite girlfriend. Uh, hi, <laughs> first, first time caller here. If you could bring back any one current active former Bruin, that's a lot of things. Any one current active former Bruin lost to either trade or free agency to help them make their lineup more complete. <laughs> Who would it be, and why is it Nick Ritchie? <laughs> yeah, um, I wasn't ready. I mean, for they could have had Nick Ritchie if they wanted him. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, we shared a meme today. A year ago, he was on the power play. It's a man, yeah. how things change. Can't believe it's not Butter. Can't believe Nick Ritchie's on the power play. Um, Kasha's has got to be up there, right? Yeah, I, that that one pisses me off. I really wanted Kasha to be a Bruin this year. I, yeah, just. A couple of years of me being like, no, this guy's actually good. Just <laughs> wait and see. And just health didn't didn't work out for him. I, uh, he was he was one of my favorite players to watch when he played for the Gulls. Um just like incredible skill guy. Um, one of our first episodes was when we got Kasha and I like didn't know how to pronounce his name. That was like one of our first episodes yeah. before hockey went away because of COVID. <laughs> um you know who would be a great fit on this Bernstein that would address a major need is Dan Heinen. I was about to say Dan Heinen. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we talked about him earlier this or Speaking last of Nick week, Ritchie, but, yeah. it's the yeah. <laughs> the guy who's better than Nick Ritchie that we traded for Nick Ritchie. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, fuck Anders Bjork. By the way, I needed to get that in. I still don't. I don't know where this hate's coming from, Drew. Dude, it's I, Bruce yeah, Cassidy. He said it. Um, <laughs> you. He has not. You. You <laughs> have said it a lot. <laughs> I think like if contract isn't an issue, I would I would have said like 
putting Blake Wheeler on that top line would be pretty interesting. That would be, yeah, I, 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 was, I was wondering whether we had to abide to the cap constraints. Yeah, or... I think maybe like two years ago, that would have been a lot more interesting than it would be this year. But um, wait, what's the question again? Because I got the second half of it, just that Nick Ritchie was the answer. If you could bring back any one currently active former Bruin. Currently active. Okay, I was going to say Esposito. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> and he's actively an announcer yeah i, I would i would bring back david Krejci. <laughs> yeah. i was going more joking nordstrom but <laughs> oh, yeah. uh let's see who else who's a who's a good defenseman that's f- former bruin that's colin that's, miller Stephen no. Camper's going to the Olympics, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, Olympian Olympian future Stephen gold Camper. medalist yeah. Stephen Camper. Uh, um, Matt Ir- Matt Irwin currently playing for the uh, Washington oh, dude, Capitals. Uh, Tonordi scored uh, last night. Oh, sick! Was it the night before? One or the other. Tonordi scored recently, so we gotta go with Tin Man. The old Tin Man. Uh, Lausanne who I think is eternally in the doghouse in Seattle, which is a tough place to be in the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> Has Tory Krug been good at all? I haven't even heard his name. In the I popped on a the Blues-Caps game the other night, and Krug went crashing down the left wing and got a sick feed from Robert Thomas and snapped it. Robert Thomas, the guy he, he uh, murdered, absolutely yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Um, so in the... Amount of blues games that I've watched this year, crew. So it's look he's got good. 20 points in 31, <laughs> six goals, 14 apples. Not bad for a defenseman, for sure. It is really nice in that 20 minutes of ice time that that Tory Krug hit is like the the final memory of the era when you could play without a bucket on. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I think that was the, I think that was the last no bucket highlight. That was to all the NHL sod. During yeah. that entire his entire sprint skate up ice, all they saw was lawsuit. That's it was also Gary yeah. Bettman freaking the fuck out like fuck, charging. Fuck, 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 I don't, fuck, I don't fuck. think there is oh a better God. definition of charging than what he did. <laughs> well, no, he did a little. He did a little uh, curve. He did like, like a little shimmy. Know, it wasn't even like he, it. Like he, he, he didn't know, he hard didn't down even, the ice and then he coasted into it. It was it was like not he didn't safe, even but like, I'm not sure if it technically qualifies as charging. We can he didn't we can even say like slow down. He just like made it probably it wasn't like, legal, but it was definitely cool. It's mm-hmm. it's like if you're going a hundred miles an hour in your car and then you take your foot off the gas. It's like. Well, for a few more seconds, you're going to go 100. So. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know. Charging is one of those rules. It's like, I love what we're talking about, whether it hit from several years ago is charging. <laughs> but like, it's one of those rules that's really kind of like sort of arbitrary and tough to define. But like, I don't know. It's not like there's a speed. You know, you can hit somebody going fast. And at the end of the day, it's what he did. He didn't, I mean, he accelerated into it, but didn't he? accelerate I love, I love how we're breaking down this stop. hit on this <laughs> podcast right now and three go back to our say, conspiracy say, theory i'm currently wearing a vladimir tarasenko shirt uh, nice. i so it took me a lot less time to stop hating the blues than it did for me to stop hating the canucks after the 2011 stanley cup final um even though the result was different i i still the players that i still hate from that team are obviously Jordan Bennington, like that man just sucks as a human and like just, just like a really fucking weird dude. Um, and then David Perron, like the the reason for that hit, uh, David, David Perron, like 
just sitting on top of Tory Krug and ripping his helmet off is the reason why Tory Krug went after Robert Thomas. But other than that, there aren't really any guys on that team that I'm just like, fuck that guy. You just like eternally fuck that guy. Well, you know, if Anders Bjork was on that team, you know what Bruce Cassidy would say. <laughs> you guys uh, give Lauren shit about the Bjork thing. No, I, this just started last episode. We mentioned how like Bjork. Yeah, I'm pro I, mean, I don't even know where this is. I was just so. like, "Fuck Bjork." The, Drew just like, kept screaming Fuck randomly Bjork during the, the episode. But trust me, it's what Cassidy. Cassidy texts me every once in a while. He's just like, "Fuck Bjork." I'm like, "All right." It's weird. No, because right, so like Lauren, Lauren saying she was a big Bjork person. I, I'm pretty sure I agreed with her. Like I, yeah, like at the same. at the time that Jake DeBrusque and Anders Bjork were fighting for that. Uh, left wing spot i was i was team bjork and you know he just kind of had some health issues that prevented him from ever materializing there just didn't get the opportunities that debrus got i think he was always either a similar caliber player or maybe a better player um i don't i don't hate bjork by the way this is bruce cassidy i like bjork he (laughs) he, here's injuries injuries was we kind of me and cam talked about it a lot with uh nick just but injuries was kind of his main you know he was doing pretty good and then two seasons in a row yeah his main um his main and you know whatever video game you want to say uh he uh yeah no he was doing good and then the main thing holding him back was those injuries and then after that it just wasn't the same, wasn't the same opportunities, wasn't the same player that we saw. Granted, it was like a short stint before he would get injuries in both those seasons, but yeah. Took him too long to become a decent defensive player, too. Mm. Yeah. That, that's probably what sank him more than anything. It's like once the offense wasn't there, he had few redeeming qualities. Maybe that's why Cassidy always texts me. Fuck Bjork. I disagree. I thought Bjork was a good defensive player. He was like I thought a, he became one. I, I, he's like a Danton Heinen kind of guy who like just couldn't put it together offensively. Yeah. You see, I don't I don't agree with the Heinen thing. Like Heinen was like a 35 point player every year. Like that that especially when they traded Richie, that one never made a whole lot of sense to me. And like I do think Bjork got better defensively, and you better bet he's better now because he's playing fourth line minutes and buffalo but um it it just until he got that side of his game rounded out they it just i think they lost patience a little bit um because the offense wasn't there and he wasn't giving them much else but i think last season he had very much come around in that regard all right on that note should we uh should we cut this off at an hour seven yeah i love the word adjourn adjourn does it have a DNA? Who knows? It does. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, John. It's a it's a word. It's a word that <laughs> stops sounding like a real word if you say it too many times. A Jorn, a Jorn. It sounds like two. A Jorn. A Jorn. What's a Jorn? A Jorn. <laughs> <laughs>